Today in the Marshall Pro Podcast, in your week in IndyCar guest episode, we have some guy. I don't know if I've ever had a guest, Jimmy, on my week in IndyCar show who's yet to do an IndyCar race. But I guess that speaks <laughs> to the uh, enthusiasm we have coming here with uh, with this two-year plan, at least, with you and the Chip Ganassi Racing number 48 Honda. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. What uh, what a fun part of my career and you know my journey in motorsports. Um, certainly so thankful and proud and happy the, the, the career and journey I've been on. But to have a chance to drive a vehicle that's always been kind of my childhood dream, to drive at Chip Ganassi Racing, you know, there's so many layers to this that are, are so meaningful and fun uh, that collide with the chance to drive one of these awesome machines on awesome circuits that uh, I feel like I'm experiencing, you know, childhood kind of all over again in a way at, at 45. So I'm uh, just giddy with the opportunity and ready to go. I should also alert uh, our listeners that with two Californians on the phone, you're going to hear words like awesome and other things a lot. So <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, exactly. It, it's perfectly fine though. Uh, let's say a quick thank you to Cooper tires and the justice brothers and Toronto motorsports.com and bell racing helmets USA for looking after us before we get going with uh, our listener questions and whatnot, Jimmy, there was some old Brazilian guy who was announced with something related to you and the car you're going to drive <laughs> next year. What are you doing, man? Come on, Tony Canon. The guy's never achieved anything in his life. <laughs> How rad is that? I mean, it, we as we worked up this dream um, back in the summer months, you know, it's taken a lot of time to get it put together. Um, Tony and I, at this part of our career, to have a chance to work together, uh, to be at CGR, the relationship that he and I both have with Dixon and Dario and Mike Hole and the various people within CGR. I mean, it, it's it's really meaningful to both of us. And Tony and I met years ago running racing champions events and have mutual friends, you know, that uh, are all in motorsports. And I mean, we just we, we're going to take our friendship to a whole new level. We're going to share a car. And I think it's going to be a really exciting year for all of our partners and for IndyCar. So looking at this process so far, Jimmy, I think that might be an interesting place to start. Got to spend some time with you and the team a little while ago at one of our, our home state kind of holy grail tracks, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. It was fascinating to watch the process the team implemented for you. I mean, you turned a ton of laps. At the end of the day, you said, man, it's not so much of a physical uh, thing. My brain is kind of warped from uh, everything we're having to deal with here over so many laps. But I was really taken aback by how the team was approaching your introduction to IndyCar. It wasn't just go run a million laps and figure it out. It was so structured. We want you to do fuel saving and yellow lap simulation. We want you to try this. Dario is going to put breaking uh, put cones out in the various braking zones for you to try here and then there. Tell me about this onboarding process, because I don't know if the average fan understands it's a pretty articulate thing they've come up with. It, it really is, and it's based so much on their experience and success and and also knowing that, you know, I've been doing this a long time myself and how to, how to kind of interact with me in some respects. I think Dario's very aware of, of how to motivate me and how to challenge me and help me learn. And then, you know, the team is just, it's Ganassi racing with all their success. So they, they hold a high criteria for anybody that works at the company. And since day one, um, we've just 
we've just operated at a high level and, and I still have so much to learn in, in so much, so many gaps to close in so many areas, but it's nice to step in and, you know, we've got a run plan. This is what the test is going to look like. These are the areas that we felt we needed to uh, address first with me and help me learn. Um, and then also just taking advantage of being at the track and being able to do real pit stops and to understand the basics like, pit road where it starts and finishes how to charge pit lane how to leave on cold tires um there's just so many aspects to compete at the highest level and we're not letting a day at the track be wasted in any way because i only get probably five or six tries in single day events yeah. before i show up in st pete so like you said i mean i ran they said 350 360 miles at uh, laguna <laughs> which was one of their high watermarks and mileage for a road test at Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, so I, I definitely was tired, but to your point, the uh, what I was trying to process and, and learn and get right and, and get right at the at a high level, man, I was cooked. I needed like two days just to sit in a quiet room after that. Just <laughs> my thoughts. What just happened to me? Yeah. Another thing uh, that struck me, Jimmy, before we get into uh, some some listener questions, and this isn't meant to blow smoke. It's just sharing an observation that that's true. You've had a lot of success in your career. I don't know if you've heard about that, but you've had an amazing <laughs> career before coming to IndyCar. We all know that. Uh, two days after your final cup race as a full-time driver, you're in Laguna testing instead of being on a yacht somewhere with Rihanna, you know, drinking champagne or whatever <laughs> it might be. There's no farewell tour mindset that some drivers might have and say, Hey, I'll come back. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks, but I just, I need to go do my retirement victory tour per se. Instead you're at the track. You are absorbing everything you can. You are driving constantly and your mindset is what really stood out, Jimmy. Yeah. We know externally that you have achieved many things in your career, the guy that I was talking to on pit lane and that others were talking to on pit lane, there's no elevated mindset of stats, victories, championships. There's no provenance or self-importance that comes with you that I've seen with this process. No, I, I appreciate you saying all those, those great, th nice things about me. I, uh, I'll, I'll send you a check later. Um, I, uh, <laughs> you know, I think at the root of it, there's, there's just the way, you know, we're all brought up and not only you know, what you first think of in, you know, what your parents do for you and the influence they have on you and your friend groups. And that all, it was all very, very important. Um, but I think the tough years I spent as a pro racer trying to get established and trying to earn that opportunity at Hendrick Motorsports really shaped me for who I am. And I, I had some dark moments in there and I didn't perform well and I'd make mistakes and sponsors weren't really excited about that. And I knew my job was on the line at different times, but through that whole process, I, I just was so aware of how lucky I am to be driving a race car for a living. And that's just been embedded in my mind. I mean, I, I love to race. I love to drive race cars and I, I don't take that for granted. And, you know, looking forward and these experiences, I mean, I, I get to, I've had a career that was amazing and I get to, almost have a second career now with the most successful team in IndyCar, most successful, you know, driver is a, is a coach in a sense with Scott Dixon and then Dario and his influence. Like I have the dream situation and I'm so happy and excited for it and humbled by it. So 
um, you know, that, that humbled thing, I think played a big role in my journey through cup, um, from my early years through my, my years, they helped me attract the right people and the right experiences. And I, I feel like that's going to help me and, and serve me so well as I move into, um, IndyCar and beyond, you know, it's just kind of who I am at the, at the core and, uh, just, just like driving race cars. Well, you need to throw at least a couple hissy fits just to let them know who you are. Sometimes you don't <laughs> want to take too much for granted. Uh, let's get going with a couple questions, Jimmy. Uh, Jameen Tuttle is a good friend of the show. He says, would love to hear about first time driving an Indy car compared to the first time you drove a cup car and, and how those two things registered with your brain. Also asked now that you've done the corkscrew in an Indy car, what do you think it'd be like with uh, 40 cup cars charging down the hill? <laughs> I think Cup would put on a fantastic show. Um, what what a venue! I mean, you and I had a chance to talk about it. The, uh, the TV does a nice job of representing how beautiful and spectacular that that track is. But when you go there in person, it can really sense the elevation change and how twisty the the track is and the drop off at the corkscrew. Uh, it would be amazing to see Cup cars on that circuit. But you know, when I think back to my first Cup test. Um, you know, it was at the uh, Kentucky Speedway on a track with pretty low grip. And sure, sure, you're going fast in a cup car at the end of the straightaways, but the G-forces don't really mess with your eyes. Um, you know, you scare yourself, you get in too fast, you get on the gas too fast, you know, the car moves around and you scare yourself in any car. But in an Indy car and the way it changes directions and the G-forces put on your body, like my senses just at least right now are not used to it. And my eyes literally in the high speed turns or on the brakes are rattling around in my eye sockets. And that's my senses are telling me it won't stick. It can't do this, but I'm just on the early side of the potential of the car right now. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to grow into that. So for me, I mean, I, and, and I've spent a lifetime and a career developing senses for a certain amount of grip and a certain way to car. I'm now almost needing to, for, uh, to forget that and unlearn all of that and start back at square one because the physical experience in the car is so different. You know, related to that, we've got a question from uh, our pal JJ Gertler talking about downforce. It's not as if you haven't experienced significant downforce right with the uh, the variety of sports car races you've done at the rolex 24 and prototypes and whatnot but uh those daytona prototypes weren't super high downforce at least compared to an indy car so jj asks how much faith has it taken to approach a corner knowing or hoping that the amount of downforce you have will let you take <laughs> it a lot faster than it looks that's the thing jimmy that again the average race fan doesn't get there's this mysterious force that you can't see that will let you go through that corner at 200 plus miles an hour. Meanwhile, your brain is in a total fight or flight moment until you reconcile that and and see and believe it can happen. What is that like? Yeah, that's, that is my current status right now and what I'm trying to, to grasp before we show up in St. Pete or get the season started. And with only, you know, maybe the best six one day test sessions, um, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get there. Um, I, I have a very steep learning curve ahead of myself and learning to trust the car in those moments is where it's all at for me. Um, in the two test sessions we've had, one at Barber, one at Laguna, the slow speed corners, I'm right on pace. The braking zones, I'm not too far off. 
the high commitment, high downforce corners is where the biggest gaps are right now. And it's literally about trusting the car. And, you know, the team is working with me to understand, hey, look, you know, you're, you're entering this turn at 150 and losing control and you don't like it. We can see the steering trace. The car doesn't like it. You don't like it. But at 165, it's going to be better. So you're like, really? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Come on. So trying to uh-huh. have that conversation with yourself, approaching that turn, like they say, go faster. And everything in your body say, no, go slower. And the car's moving around. That's the argument I'm having right now with myself. And it's just going to take reps before I sort it out. And this was a lower speed corner that I'll reference, but it was just cool to see the progression. So... When I got there early afternoon at the Laguna test, Dario was like, hey, let's go out to turn such and such and watch Jimmy. Watched you, and it was very clear that everything you were doing behind the wheel was uh, decent and in order. It was, for the most part, straight line braking, nice turn in, get through the corner, get the car mostly pointing straight back on the throttle. And that's how you start piecing things together. Then you start charging your corner entry a little bit more. Then you get a little bit more aggressive corner exit. That's where the speed comes from. So towards the end of the day, watching you come out of turn 11, which is slow, but on exit, getting out in the rumble strips and whatnot, it's not uncommon for the car to get a little bit sideways. You were keeping that sucker straight for most of the day. It's really cool to see you towards the end of the day, have the back end step out, and you found that comfort zone. You weren't lifting out of the throttle you were just applying the correct amount of opposite lock keeping your foot in it just really cool to see those progressions happening for you are you doing little victory dances at each of those or are you so <laughs> plugged in that those things aren't occurring to you yet no i mean i i, I do you know it's wild is you're always referencing yourself against the fastest lap time and you know that i'm if i ignore fast lap to my lap right now you know, I feel those little victories and I'm excited about them. Then you get out and you look at the scoring sheet or, you know, the, the computer and your teammates lap time. And you're like, Oh boy, you know, he's gone faster too. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a journey. And what's so interesting to me right now is, you know, I've spent a career out of trying to be the first one back to the gas and in stock cars with very low downforce in more mechanical grip in some respects. And in some, in most turns, just, beating somebody to the throttle, even if it's only 15, 20% throttle for a longer period of time, you're going to win. And and that requires you to back everything up in the corner. So your braking mark, your turn in, uh, turn in is usually a little wider, early part throttle and go. And what I'm learning with these high downforce cars, you know, you, you've got to look at the corner differently. The car will not accept much throttle with a lot of steering lock in it. You have to be unwinding the wheel. So in order to have a good exit, You have to get in a little deeper, roll through the center faster and almost give up the center from the way I've been used to driving it, push your exit further around the turn, get steering wheel out of it and go. And that's, that's really the opposite. I mean, I'm going back to the throttle in a NASCAR vehicle with max steering wheel in the car. That's very, very common. That is the absolute wrong thing to do in an Indy car. So I'm, there's different approaches I have to each turn right now. And someday that's going to become instinctive and I will be much faster right now. I'm still walking myself through those steps. And until I get the reps, um, it's going to be a bit clumsy for me and I won't flow like I need to and get the ultimate lap time. couple little follow-ups there, Jimmy. So been interesting to see your first couple of tests and there's been a lot of folks who are super supportive. If we're just talking online and whatnot, 
there's also been a, a smaller subset of, well, what's the lap time? A, a, an immediate validation of either he's good or he's terrible. And I think as we discussed uh, Laguna, I'm most excited about year two for you. I'm not saying 2021 is a throwaway by any means, but most IndyCar drivers will tell you, anyone will tell you, hey, you need a year doing something to really figure it out. So when you come back the next time and you know the tracks and you know the car, you're, there's no real question as to what your capabilities should be. But there seems to be a subset of folks who are either, I don't know, uh, really skeptical or not wanting to be super supportive. Meanwhile, there are others who are really happy to see you on this journey. Where do you fall in terms of expectations for next year? Maybe knowing that if you ignore social media, everything should go fine. <laughs> yeah, the, the joys of social. Um, you know, I, I, I get it. I'm a, I'm a fan and I watch and, you know, I've watched people come from open wheel into NASCAR and, and maybe uh, enjoyed watching them learn and struggle a bit more than I should have. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been there. And you've told that so, to Dario. Oh, sorry, we weren't supposed to name him. Sorry. <laughs> So going the other way, I know I'm going to be exposed. Um, I know that people are going to have whatever opinions they have. But where I'm in my career in, in life, I don't care. This isn't for anyone else. Mm. This isn't. This, this is for me. This is what I want to do. And I challenge anyone out there that wants to be a naysayer, go, go try something completely different and make yourself better. Reinvent yourself. Go, go give it a try and see how it goes. That's literally what I'm doing right now. Um, but with that said, I am a competitor and I do understand the reality of the stopwatch and being competitive. And I don't like where I'm at right now. And I've, I've raised my hand to Scott. I've raised my hand to Dario, uh, to Mike, to Chip, to everybody involved. Hey guys, I need more seat time. <laughs> We've got to figure this out. I'm, I'm further off than where I feel I should be right now. And we're looking at all avenues to get me more seat time and help me learn to trust the car in these high downforce areas. So, you know, my first, first experience was at Barber on a super grippy day and everybody was like, well, that wasn't very nice, but you know, at least you, at least you got to get on track and give it a try. And then Laguna with zero runoff as well. And how challenging it is, you know, I've gone to two very difficult tracks and everybody at, at CGR is like, just give yourself a break, right? Like let's, let's just get you some reps and get you going. So to answer your question, I'm more on the skeptical side, but I'm encouraging myself to remember this journey that I'm on and to, to at least give myself a break for the first half of the year, maybe the, the, this first year and look at 22 is, is a year where the expectations should increase. Did we just learn you have burner counts and you're sending yourself like you're being a hater on yourself and sending yourself like you suck Johnson type stuff to your regular <laughs> account. I think we just learned that, you know, you mentioned the driving more things. Our pal Jordan Darwin says, Jimmy, don't you have like a 2000 year a cart? PPI Renard uh, car in your collection. Uh, he's wondering, why did you buy it and does it run? And I think we got an idea of uh, what we might be using to get you some more laps if uh, all that's true. Yeah, I mean, gosh, we're looking at everything. I mean, everything from, you know, the basics in karting to uh, my iRacing sim and our factor that I use in my, my, my house to using the big sim, sims that I have access to at HPD or Delara. Um, I'm hopeful to get my Rolex 24 hour program put together. Uh, we're even looking at, at other open wheel vehicles like F3 cars. You know, is there something that I can do there to one, learn a track and two, just get some more experience with high downforce. So we're, we're literally looking at everything, you know, granted the year's about to come to a close. Um, so I'm not sure what will really get done, um, in 2020, but 
we, we are looking at all options to help me kind of retrain my senses and, and be more of a, a single seater driver or open wheel driver than the sedan driver I've been for, you know, 20 plus years. Absolutely love it. So why don't we go to uh, Zachary Burcham says, uh, in what area are guys like Dario and Dixon most useful to you in learning the Indy car? Um, and he also asks, is there anything you were told to be ready for, but still need uh, to experience to understand it? You got some okay coaches uh, yeah. and, and friends in your corner. What kind of things do you go to them for, Jimmy, at this stage? Uh, or is it more of a them coming to you, kind of knowing what it was, what it was like themselves being rookies back in the day? No, it's it's really a two way street, and you know I bring things up that run through my mind, and you know they they kind of rank them or prioritize them, and we get to work on them. Plus, you know they have an opinion of of what we need to work on, and then going to the track has been really helpful because you know we can sit down and discuss at track and after the test you know, where the gaps are and what I'm dealing with. So their knowledge we all know of. Um, I, I would say that the, the most important part of this thing is I know Scott and I know Dario and, and we all know each other on a level where they're not going to BS me and they know I'm not going to BS them. And that honesty, I think, is the biggest advantage that I will have and, and will have to lean on because I don't want them blowing smoke telling me, Hey, you're doing that good. That's fine. That's, that's not, that's not me. That's not what I want. I, I want to be competitive and I want to figure this out. And the only way we're, well, the, the quickest way we're going to get there is with being honest with one another. And, um, you know, I, I've, I talked to Dario three to four times a week. We're texting and emailing, you know, many, many times over. And that, that's just one, one channel that I have uh, within the team. I, you know, I've got other teammates as well. Scott's been very helpful. Resources like Mike Hull, um, Chris Simmons. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, you know, that I think the honesty, to answer your question, is really going to be the most important factor in this whole thing. And, and we have it. And that's why I feel so confident we're going to succeed. So you're going to head into hopefully a little bit of an off season here. Tell me, Jimmy, about the physical side, your preparation for the season. One of the interesting, it's a meaningless metric, but I found it fascinating. Uh, you may remember Simona Di Silvestro, uh, who was in the IndyCar series for a long time. She decided to try and go do Formula One. She did some Formula E after that, after leaving IndyCar. And she told me she ended up shedding 15 pounds of muscle because she didn't need it anymore. But she did obviously need that in an Indy car. No power steering, crazy downforce, all those things. Any thoughts at this early stage of any tweaks or how you might change your, your cup physical training regimen to meet the demands of this wacky Indy car? Yeah, you know, when I, I was supposed to test with, uh, with McLaren in June, um, you know, I talked to friends in, that drive the cars and tried to understand maybe some of the, the routines to pick up. Um, and, and certainly felt like I, I was prepared and ready for Barber, but the test didn't happen. Then things come together with CGR. I test at Indy in July. You know, I've, I left there with plenty of achy spots in my body and I was like, okay, that's where I need to work. So I, I went down that road and slowly started to move into more kind of, of a weight training session for upper body. Um, and then once the program got announced, I, I, I talked to the guys at PitFit that clearly work with so many drivers across all series, but 
spent a lot of time in the IndyCar space. And, you know, with their help, they've had me ready to run, you know, the crazy laps and forces that I dealt with at Barber for the test that happened um, in early November. And then also to run the marathon that I did at Laguna Seca. And it's really shifted more from like a cardio aerobic capacity that I had in NASCAR really not a big physical demand, more, more just a big cardio effort for three to four hours at a time sitting in, you know, 140 degree weather. So that, that was a lot of cycling in the heat of the day, a lot of running in the heat of the day. And that worked great. Well, I'm, I'm finding that the IndyCar is much more of an interval based uh, workout and certainly a lot of upper body driving the high heart rate. So to, to get those muscles mature and, and, and ready to deal with you know, such high loads and high outputs for, for fairly long stretches of time. Um, I'm, I'm starting to put on, I, I know I'm getting leaner, but I'm starting to put on mass right now that, that I uh, wish I had back in high school or something, you know? So <laughs> it's, uh, the, the cardio that they have me do is much more interval based and, and I'm using my upper body to drive it. So it, it is a different philosophy to, to adapt. And then there's also some visual training that I'm doing so much happens so quickly in these cars that, uh, you know, working on, on the visual aspect and hand-eye coordination and even eyeline references and being able to see stuff quickly is, is something that I'm working on that I've never done before. Oh, man, we're going to be seeing you walking around in muscle tees all next year, just flexing, swole Jimmy Johnson coming to a track This is the 45-year-old rich guy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Other thing that comes to mind, Jimmy, before we uh, we say farewell, obviously you mentioned Rolex 24 plans. Those haven't been announced. Got a pretty good idea where you might be going, though. But you're someone who's loved uh, the Rolex 24 and sports car racing in general. Also, I'll kind of throw this in with a question as well. Bringing a new partner with you to IndyCar. I don't know if we'll see them in your, your sports car and other endeavors in Carvana. We don't do like big sponsor plugs on the show, nor is this meant to be one, but we don't often get a significant new partner like this coming in uh, to IndyCar for this journey. Maybe just share some thoughts on that because seeing the reaction to you wanting to do this and the corporate support that came with it, and this is a thing that's a win for the entire series, not just you and the Ganassi team and the 48 Honda. Yeah, they, they're, um, you know, they're an amazing company, a growing company, and and have not been in, in motorsports yet. And as a car business to bring them into motorsports is a natural tie, but to really help find the right opportunity for them. And I'm so thankful to be that opportunity. Um, you know, they're, they're, of course they want to sell cars. That's part of it. But this story about me leaving cup and trying to kind of reinvent myself and, and become a competitive IndyCar driver is a story that they really enjoy and like, and they want to be a part of. So, there is a lot of corporate interest. I think you'll see many more partners announced as we get through the end of this year and on into next year, uh, sports car and IndyCar related. And, you know, it's, it's neat to be in this position. I've, I've spent a full career in building a reputation and having success and building my Rolodex. And then now to have kind of a clean start in a few different places to apply, you know, these resources and to involve sponsors um, it's been a lot of fun and, and I've done a lot of learning outside of the car, trying to be the one that's leading these phone calls and Zoom meetings and trying to introduce um, new corporate partners to, to the sport of motorsport. Um, you know, it's, it's been, been, been fun and, and really neat. And I'm, I'm thrilled that we brought in a, a, a rookie sponsor to come along for this journey as well. Jimmy, 
Thanks for taking some time, brother. Really a pleasure. And I can't wait for IndyCar fans to get to know you because I think you're going to have a lot of folks uh, who might be first time fans of really following you in this new adventure, but I think they're going to enjoy the ride. So thanks for taking some time. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. And that was a delightful Jimmy Johnson. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Just telling you the truth here. The guy is just straightforward, uncomplicated, a racer to the core. Yes, he's known for whatever achievements, blah, blah, blah. The reason that I think he's such a perfect fit at Chip Ganassi Racing, Scott Dixon's the same guy. I mean, really, a little bit of a twang in the accent, but Scott Dixon is the same guy. Chip Ganassi is the same guy. Mike Hull's the same guy. Race engineer Chris Simmons that he referenced, same guy. They are racers. That is their identity. There are others who are racers plus. They've got some sort of added thing to their character and personality where if you like folks who put across their self-importance, well, you definitely feel that. That's not Jimmy. That's not this team. That's why I think there there is a little bit of a blue-collar aspect to this relationship. It's a white-collar team, but there is a a blue-collar underpinning. That's where I think this is going to work. Why I think it's going to work. There's just a really strong connection. You throw in a Dario as well, who is as hardcore racer as you're ever going to find. It's it's just, it's something to be happy for with Jimmy, knowing that, as he said, he's reinventing himself. Instead of having to find a team, figure out its culture, and then likely adapt and modify himself to fit that culture. Because I can think of a number of teams on the IndyCar pit lane where, indeed, he would have to censor himself pull back in some areas, not just be in a natural state. This is one where it's clear it's home. It's just a free and easy home for him to be himself around others who are exactly like him. That's where I think this is going to end up being pretty considerable success. More year two, as we discussed. But yeah, happy for him. Thankful for him taking some time here ahead of the holidays. Just stepped out of the sim, by the way. So uh, yeah. Might have been a little pumped up as well. Yep, swole Jimmy Johnson coming to a racetrack near you. Thanks again to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com and Bell Racing Helmets USA. And if this is your first time listening, you might pay a visit to MarshallPruittPodcast.com. Almost 1,000 episodes. Our thousandths should be coming up here soon. Also have a tidy little subscribe page where you can figure out all the ways you might want to keep up with what we do here on a weekly basis. All right. I am Marshall Pruitt. This is Marshall Pruitt podcast. Thank you for listening. 